Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing great, Sarah. How are you doing this evening? I'm joking. <laughs> You're joking. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> EMS, get the get the all stat. <laughs> I needed water. Like okay. I went through the first line, and then I'm like, yeah, there's a there's something lodged in my throat, but I'm yeah. here. I'm uh, here. Going that's good. You're not dead yet. That's good. Not not dead yet. Nope. <laughs> nope. So what's what's going on tonight? What's going on tonight? It's um well, I guess I guess real time stuff. Uh, I guess the Team Choice Awards are going on right now. Um, saw where a couple of our shows. That's are, not an award show. Yeah, I know. No, I know. I know. It's a popular. Uh, well, I guess maybe the popularity contest is going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking about some popularity contests, yeah. won't we? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> Actually, that's just a great transition into it. Now I really want to know your thoughts about this Academy Awards stuff, and yeah. as they announce. A popular movie award, <sighs> and and we do not know though how they determine what is popular and what is unpopular. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my thoughts on this, this, you know, when it when it dropped earlier in the week, uh, I I saw this and I was like, this is an award for the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> and, and honorable mention of Deadpool. <laughs> this is this is an award for those movies that have like a really good soul and and really cinematic and make people go to the movie theaters and then fall apart in the third act. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't know how many movies we cover, Will, where we always, that's a big point of criticism, mm-hmm. the third act. Yeah, it it's, is true. They, they can't pull, like, cross that finish line. And, and now the question is, will Infinity War beat Black Panther or will Black Panther beat Infinity War for this achievement of being a popular film? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But to me, you know, but Black Panther did... Go, go across the finish line at a very the things that we quibbled about with it was not story but special effects so mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, you know so it, it finished strong and obviously infinity war it finished strong mm-hmm. uh and my thought is it i was reading a little bit more about this and i guess way back when the academy start i think when they had their very first show in 1929 they they actually did have two two categories uh one was outstanding picture and then the second one was unique and artistic picture and it was just a one year and then after that they scrapped it (laughs) because it's stupid exactly exactly (laughs) you know if just stop being just stick in the mud old fogies who can't like recognize good filmmaking regardless of what form it, it comes in whether it's a huge blockbuster or the you know the one that only 10 people saw at the art house well, there's room for but both is, but isn't that what they're trying to do by adding in this category because oh. one of the big criticisms of the academy is that they don't recognize not not the they recognize films that are very quote unquote prestigious mm-hmm. and 
Um, not a lot of people see indie films often get a lot of word recognition, but the popular, like the, the movies that one could argue is pretty much 50% spectacle, 50% story are the ones that usually get left off in the dust. I mean, Dark Knight didn't even get a best picture nominated. Right. Nomination. Yeah. So, so I, I feel like to, to what you're saying, I feel like that's what the old fogies, as you poetically put it, are trying to do and trying to appease people and saying like, here's another category. So we could get more recognition across all. I don't want to say genres, but all types of films being yeah. made right now. Okay, yeah, but uh, not to sound all like you know, whatever. But I mean, the, it's it's almost like a participation award. It, it, oh, I, it is. Yeah, and it's <laughs> just it's just maddening. Just bite the bullet. Give credit where credit's due. Don't do this bullshit where you're like coming up with this like dilute a category popular film i mean again you you raised a great point what is popular film is popular film mean grossing a boatload of money at the box office does popular film mean you know winning a golden globe does popular mean (laughs) you know winning a people's choice award i mean just you know any number of things could go into what is popular and and by doing this there will create even more controversy instead of just growing a pair and just allowing, you know, allowing all types of films and genres, if they're made of significant artistic merit, etc., they should be nominated for Best Picture, just like the rest of, just like the traditional ones that we, you know, we've seen over time. Okay. Okay. So, so have you been in the most recent years, because after the whole Dark Knight debacle, Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. did expand the number of nominations for Best Picture. Right. So, so was that enough to appease that need um, of potential inclusion into that category? Or is it still, is it still not enough? Or why why would the Academy do this as if they were receiving the same criticism even after expanding it to 10 potential film being nominated for Best Picture? I mean, again, I think you could you can expand. I think they did the right thing by expanding it to 10. Uh, there, when you consider how many films get released each year, how many get good play as far as uh, on the award circuit. Uh, how many get very critical acclaim, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that's uh, you know they 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 heard the criticism during the, with the Dark Knight debacle and tried to adjust for it, and I think that was the appropriate measure to do by expanding the field to allow for more nominations, mm-hmm. creating a new category which we were going to use Rotten Tomatoes or some other metric to be what's considered popular. It's just a cheap way out and it, it dilutes and cheapens the, 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 the award. Right. Right. Uh, it's just like, you're not best picture. So we're just going to give you this other, you know, like I said, participation trophy. Good right. job. 
Nice job, nice effort. And and here's here's the statue for you. But well, it'll never it's... it'll and it'll never be you know, in the in the eyes of you know the you know, the zeitgeist it won't be equal to best picture. It's because it's not. I mean there's only one best picture. Yeah. Well, it's also, I think it's interesting if you put it in the context of the fact that it's very well known that actors and actors, actresses often receive their one-time Oscar award after, like, it's pretty much like, hey, you've done good for the past 10 years, so Mm -hmm. on this kind of, like, iffy role, we're just going to give it to you for the sake of it, like Mm -hmm. a Lifetime Achievement Award. So the popular film award is like a Lifetime Achievement form for the film itself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It'll be interesting to learn more about how – they're going to actually determine what's popular and what's not popular. Yeah. God, please don't use rotten p- tomatoes or how many Twitter reactions there were or anything. Just go with the box office numbers to determine that. I think yeah. that's the safest way to go. Yeah. Granted, then do you do international or do you just do domestic? Exactly. We will see. We will see. We will see. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, you know... It, also, Oscars just got to keep with the drama. They got so much attention after that debacle with Best Picture a few years ago between Moonlight and yeah. La La Land that yeah. I think they just want the attention on them at all times, even if they are perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Uh, yeah, I know we didn't uh, mention it before, but you raise another good point in that they're trying to remain relevant as far as keeping eyeballs on the screen on the screen on awards night and mm-hmm. and you know, we, we continue to see numbers dropping as far as ratings uh they took chances with hosts and that potentially you know backfired on them uh so you know at the end of the day uh obviously they're doing these things to to try to you know keep interest in the show um Will they succeed or not? We're talking about it, so yeah. Mission accomplished. Succeeded. Mission accomplished. (laughs) All right. Well, let's head over to TV, where I want a few minutes to talk about a show that has definitely kept my interest over the last five seasons. Um, The Hundred season finale aired this past week. Oh, will. This show is so so. I don't know if we I've ever talked to you about the hundred the hundred before. Will I think have I? Uh, off, not all show, but we we've had some conversations via DM. Okay, I still think seasons one and two are near perfection. I really do, and that first season I've seen multiple times, and I really like it. And it's such a good parallel with season two. Season three, it gets a little weird. Season four, it's kind of garbage. Season five, though, it kind of resets everything. Mm -hmm. And then this finale just resets everything all over again. And it's fascinating. (laughs) Reset in a good way or bad way? No, it's just, it's, um, it's cyclical storytelling, what Mm -hmm. they're doing. Okay. So, In season one, the whole premise of the show is about 
how the earth basically became a toxic wasteland in the future. And so they had to send everybody to space and kind of wait it out. And so they have this called Ark. Okay. Yeah. Biblical references around yeah. this show. Oh. And, and on the Ark, they um, float people because the station can only hold so many people for so long, right? Right. There's only so many resources. Um, but at this point, Earth is actually looking like it might be salvageable. So they send down the hundred okay. who are all um, criminals, but okay. they're juveniles. Hmm. And um, because anybody else who's over the age of 18 who gets caught committing a crime, they automatically get floated. Okay. But they only kill the children after they're 18. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's so demented. So anyway, they they go down to Earth, and then there's the grounders on the Earth because, well, as as Jurassic Park films tell us, life always finds a way to serve. So there are actually people down there. So it's it's this idea of the people on the Ark are now invading Earth, okay. and whose land is it, which leads to a lot of bloodshed shed and a lot of killing. And you see this come up over and over again as new clans emerge and this whole universe expands. Well, in the last season, it got to a point where they realized that the Earth actually was going to have another natural disaster to make it toxic again. So everybody either had to go underground or to space. Okay. And then at the beginning of the season, everybody came back down or up. And I'm getting way too nitty gritty in the details about how this is cyclical, but it's just this, this, um, this idea of do are humans actually allowing life to go on or are we actually like just killing each other like time after time again? Like we're our villains of the story. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if any of that made sense. Um, it did a little bit. <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a no, everybody. Uh, well, I, well, I, I've never watched the 100. I've seen it advertised. I know you have have praised it. Uh, well, but but also have had your moments where you you have said, even though it's driving me crazy, I'm sticking with this show. So, uh, so. What you said made some sense. I think it. Um, I was trying to think of other genre specific shows. I was thinking like of like Wally or something, or um, what was another show like or movie like that where it is a similar type of structure where we screw things up and now we gotta like try to fix it, but. Uh, like going off into space and then hopefully we'll come back to a uh, cleaner earth but then yet we're still we're just doing the same thing over again <laughs> yeah and spoiler alert in the season 5 finale they find another earth oh, oh my god oh gosh oh my god <laughs> I know I don't know yeah, Wally it's, it's close but um, even Wally doesn't get really 
at the point that I think over time this show has really developed this this theme of of cyclical storytelling, but not beat for beat. Like mm-hmm. every time it's familiar, but it's always a little bit different or mm-hmm. different enough to make keep your interest, I should say. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, which is, is fascinating. And I was thinking about it prior to the show, the way that theme just keeps coming brought up over and over again. And the subtlety of that reminds me of a current show that I'm obsessed with called Sharp Objects on HBO. Hmm. Yeah, because I was watching an interview with Amy Adams and Patricia, no, Gillian Gillian Flynn, the author of the book that the show is based off of, and they were talking about how the show and its themes are very, they go around and around where historically in this town, the, um, the abuse of the female are like it's it's heter- it's um inherited like mm-hmm. every generation inherits the same cycle of violence and self-harm and disturbing behavior and but that's just the rituals if you mm-hmm. want to say that's mm-hmm. just the history and it's hard to break the pattern you're always just stuck in this little town mm-hmm. yeah interesting yeah, yeah, I've I've heard really good things about uh, Sharp Objects. I haven't checked it out yet, but uh, I will add it to my list after I get through This Is Us. How far are you in This I, Is Us? I am working my way through the first season. I uh, started, I, I, I had to cut myself off so I could actually get some sleep that night hmm. <laughs> because it, it's good. You, you have, uh, you, you did it again, Belmont. You got me hooked to another show. Have you cried yet? Um, I will not, uh, say, but, (laughs) (laughs) I had some lumps. (laughs) Have you developed a crush on Sterling K. Brown yet? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then you're doing it right. You're watching it the right way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you're watching it because yeah. it seems like totally up your alley. Yeah, it's a it family is. friendly show, yeah. and it just hits on all of those points. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So you have also you, you saw um, Mission Impossible. Yeah, I saw it Friday night. Loved it. It was. Uh, I know you're not a big fan of the Mission Impossible uh, series, uh, or is it Tom Cruise or both? Or, or both or neither? No, I'm actually a pretty... I, I like Tom Cruise. Okay. He's done some... Had some really good roles in the past. I could care less about Mission Impossible because I, I saw... um What was it? Um, Rogue Nation. Mm-hmm. Because every everybody always tells me, oh, this is the best one. It, it, it was really good. It It totally took the franchise. And I watch it and I'm like... I have no idea what's going on, nor do I care. And it's just action after action sequence. Yeah. And I don't know. It just, it's so, there, there's something about it where I'm just like, uh, I don't understand why this is different than anything else. Mm. Um, but, but I don't know. Maybe Fallout could be, I mean, besides Henry, well, um, Cavill, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, so he, well, spoiler, spoiling too much, uh, Henry Cavill's character, he plays, he is a CIA operative, and uh, he's teamed up with Ethan Hunt's Possible Mission Force. Uh, it's, it, unlike the other MI films, this one is actually a direct uh, follow-up to the, the previous film. Because typically they've all been standalone stories, uh, so this one does carry uh, does follow up from Rogue Nation, which I think if you watch them t- the two of them together, you will you will the, I think you'll like it. I think you'll like this, these these two installments when you watch them together. Because I did watch Rogue Nation, um, it, well it, you know just like when any, any new film. And a, and a series comes out, you, you know, it's on every night of the week. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I did rewatch Rogue Nation, but prior to watching uh, Fallout, Fallout is more. It, it definitely has what we've come to expect from this franchise, which is you know, death-defying stunts, the awesome chase scenes through London and, and this, this time London and and, and, and Paris. Uh, but also, unlike some of the previous films, we actually got some more depth to Ethan Hunt, which we haven't had before as far as just getting to know him as an individual. And so that really was a, a very important storytelling point in, in Fallout, which, uh, which of course in all these films, you know, there's always, the world is always on the precipice of you know, total cataclysm, but having it personal to Ethan this time actually made the stakes even greater. And as a viewer, uh, the last you know 15 minutes of the film, I, I truly was like on the edge of my seat, knowing that the bag, the good guys are going to win. But just to see it just executed was just it, it. It was it was it was worth the, the payoff. And it right. was a two and a half hour long movie, and it did not feel like that at all. I mean, it was well paced, uh, well acted. Uh, Henry Cavill and his character. Uh, where was this guy during Justice League? Uh, because he 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 had that charisma that was that was was lacking, uh, and and some of his other work, uh, Justice League, Man of Steel, and so. Yeah, you read just, the script. Yeah, that's, that's where guess, he was. I guess so. I guess so. But <laughs> uh, you know, it, I I I really really enjoyed it, and uh, I would recommend it to anyone who uh, who likes the uh, MI series, or if you're, or if you're on the fence or not sure about it, uh, I think watching you know watching Rogue Nation and then watching Fallout, uh, it, it's it's a, it's a definite payoff. To, to watch them in, 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 in sequence like that. So, so you said during that, that, you know, in all of these movies, it always like the world is going to end and the good guys save the good day. And like, that's the beat for beat. And after watching Rogue Nation and listening to others talk about the previous movies, it seems like this the common beats for Mission Impossible is that Ethan Hunt's team is always like first they're part of the like the CIA yeah. or something yeah. 
And then they they suddenly find that they're on their own to do this mission because yep. they're they're disowned by America and they're just doing it because they're really good people. Um. Well, it's the it, yeah. I mean, it takes. Or are they cocky sons <laughs> of a bad word, and they just want to prove that they can? They they prove that they can, but part of it is, I mean, yeah, they do get disavowed. Yeah, that's that's just part of the trope uh, that Ethan gets disavowed. Uh, yeah. But uh, it, you know what you're getting. I mean, there's no, oh, yeah. you know, but it's just it's just very well executed. It's just it's just a fun. You know, brain candy kind of film that does this. You just—it's just one of those things where you, you enjoy it. It's—it's it's fun to see, like, like for example, in Fallout, they bring in Angela Bassett, and she plays a very critical, a key role in this film. I mean, Angela Bassett's like, you know, goddess as far as like actress and mm-hmm. and. You know, we saw her in Black Panther recently. Of course, she's on the new show, uh, Fox. And, uh, I really, I really enjoyed what they did with her, her character, uh, in this film. And, um, and of course, Alec Baldwin's back. Uh, Jerry, Jeremy Renner was not in this one. I guess it was some scheduling conflicts with, uh, Avengers. But, uh, of course, Simon Pegg is there. And, uh, I think Reigns is back as Luther. But it's just, you know, it's, it's a very comfortable, um, framework where you know what you're getting as far as the, the, the team, but I will say that Rogue Nation and Fallout, both of them have have provided more depth to to Ethan Hunt, in particular Fallout, and, and we learn more about Ethan in this film that uh, you know that again makes the uh, makes the ending uh, a, a really strong payoff at the end. I took two things away from that. One, Angela Bassett can do no wrong. Exactly. Two, Jeremy Renner better be in Infinite Avengers <laughs> 2 because he was definitely not busy during when they shot the first half of Infinity War. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I just, there, there's some, these movies growing up, we didn't really watch a lot of the action movies for some reason. So it's not a part of, I don't know, my, it's not in the stack of my DVDs. I never really caught on. And, and that's also probably why I was never a big James Bond person either. It's because I, I understand that there's a cult following for these films and that these films have a place in the market because in the summer, there are points when all you want to do is go to a cinema, eat popcorn, and just yeah. watch people do crazy crap. Yeah. That's it. Yep. yep. Um, totally understand it. And you know, you know what that sounds like? Front runners for the Academy Award of Popular. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed no. it. Yeah. There you go. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because and and James Bond was yeah. like the guy who started this all. Although I don't I don't know if he was ever disowned by the Secret Service or he, whatever he's a part of. Yeah, I think he was. Dis- yeah, he was just about I think one or two times by his his Majesty his Her Majesty's uh, Secret Service. So 
I will say that the one time I enjoyed James Bond was when I listened to the How Did This Get Made podcast about A View to a Kill. Mm. Very funny. <laughs> Very funny. Was it funny because of the soundtrack or just <laughs> Duran Duran or... No, no, no. It was it was funny because they t- broke it up and took, like, basically put that movie through the wood chipper and was like, "This is ridiculous." Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, um, when you look back at the Roger Moore films of of Bond, that, I, those are my least favorite. He says that now, everybody. He says that now. No, well, it's true. Well, I have twenty plus twenty five films of work, of body of work to look at. Not counting um, um, "Never Say Never Again," which was outside the universe, but Connery still, you know, played Bond. But um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I, I think if I had to rank my Bonds, I would, you know, not to sound prisoner of the moment, but I would have to say Daniel Craig's one, Timothy Dalton's two, Connery's three. Interesting. Um. Or Lazenby's four and Roger Moore's five. Uh, where and, would um, Idris Elba land if he ends up getting cast? Well, that's well if he gets cast. I mean, at this point, I don't know what's true. I mean, I think Friday morning Twitter like lit up because uh, the word was that he was. You know, it seemed like it was all but just like signed on the dotted line, and then uh, as the day progressed, it was the. Uh, the person who allegedly had this conversation with uh, Barbara Broccoli, uh, Antoine Fuqua, I believe his name was, basically said, no, I didn't say anything. You know, we didn't have this conversation about Idris being being cast. But um, I will say this, if he were to be cast, he, he would definitely be in the top three. Yeah, I think he would make a really good Bond. I, I've always liked this. What, what's so funny about this whole thing, though, is that I was, I've was i been listening to a lot of Schmoes Now over the weekend, and um, we've been having this conversation about him being the next James Bond since 2014. Yep. Even he and was. then suddenly he sends out a tweet that says, my name is Ed- Elba. Idris Elba, and yeah. suddenly everybody's like, oh my god, he's James Bond. James Bond. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Until it's clear that Craig is not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because that's been another part of this factor, where yeah. one moment Craig's in, the next moment he's out, the yeah. one moment he realizes how much money he's making, and then he's back in again. Yeah. Yeah. But he really, he really just, yeah, Craig backed off of that uh, slipped my, my wrist comment. Pretty fast when you saw it, probably saw the dollar signs. Yeah, so so it'll it'll be good. I, I feel like Idris needs something though. I mean, the guy gets killed off of Avengers. Spoiler alert! Mm-hmm. First act even, and gets pretty shown up by Loki's death too. So yeah, yeah. whatever. And he has the debacle that was the Dark Tower last year. Oh yeah. Oh so gosh. Yeah. He, uh, he's he's got to get his name on something yeah, soon. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But you know, he it's funny. Even whenever his name has come up in the past, uh, he is you know, you know he hasn't completely dismissed it. He hasn't completely embraced it. He's like you know there could be a person of color bond. There could be a female bond. 
you know, and, you know, we've seen some of the, you know, like Julian Anderson's name being tossed out there, and then as far as potential female Bond, and... Um, no. Emily yeah. Blunt. Emily Blunt, yeah. Emily Blunt. Yeah. Emily Blunt. I'm, I'm sorry. Was there another name? No? Emily no. Blunt. There okay. Right. There we go. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Gal Gadot. Yeah. She could do a Bond. She, she could, could do a Bond. She could do a Bond. Yeah. She could do a she, Bond. That would be interesting because she actually, okay, here's my pitch for that. Okay. Because she would, is typically that, that she has the features that one would liken to a typical Bond girl. Yep. So for suddenly her to step up into that character type and be the Bond and not the Bond girl, but just the Bond. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Hashtag the Bond. Um, it, it would it would really dismantle that whole stereotype. It would. Like yeah. and and totally put the franchise on its on its head because then you're taking. Granted, there's a possibility it could go a totally Denise Richards route, and then oh dear lord. Oh yeah. But I mean, she is Wonder Woman, so whatever. Yeah, she could. De- she could definitely <laughs> carry. Yeah, she could carry action. So I wouldn't worry about that. That's a great. Uh, but what better way to completely flip the franchise around? And like you said, the prototypical Bond girl becoming James Bond. Um, that that would that would blow things up. But hey, you know what? We have a female Doctor Who now, so anything's possible. It, it is. It is. Uh, I mean, as long as she doesn't get cast, or if Idris, Idris gets cast, as long as they don't get backlash. Yeah. Because the ironic part is, this is, this is again, this is what the studios hear the public want mm-hmm. on Twitter, mm-hmm. and then they do it, and then they get backlash. backlash. Forcing the people to leave. I mean, let's yeah. l- look at now the Batwoman casting. Yes. Ruby Rose, mm-hmm. female, check. Yep. Androgynous looking, check. Check. Yep. Lesbian. She is check. a lesbian, check. And and that's who they cast as Carrie Kane, aka yeah. Batwoman, on Ka- the CW. Yeah, Kate Kane. And then she gets backlash against it and I saw an interview with her on Jimmy Fallon and she was excited like she kept tearing up about it because this is like she gets to go out and represent and be the person that she felt like she never saw on TV when she was growing up Mm -hmm. it's beautiful it is I saw the interview too it is and then she she's like oh my god everybody hates this yeah. I'm just going to abandon Twitter now. Yeah. Yeah. I, what is happening, Will? I don't know. And yeah, I, I posted a story on our, on our show page, just uh, with all, with the casting and, and, you know, people were very positive overall. And then a few days later, you know, we get the story about she's leaving Twitter because of just the backlash and, and, and to a person, you know, the reaction that most of uh, most of our followers on our on our various social media platforms all have been like, "Come on, this is why we can't have nice things," because <laughs> <laughs> because it is to your point, like you know, we give the people what they want, 
and we do it, and then all of a sudden, it's just all this vitriol and and hate, and you know, and 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 she hasn't even like uttered a line, right? And we're getting this stuff, and it's like really people. I mean, you know, we've and we're seeing it happen so many times now. And, you know, obviously with people of color, with LGBT, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. TQ, mm-hmm. and um, women, obviously, you know, get it all the time anyway. But then whenever you're a woman and you're gay or you're black or you're this, you know, it's like or Asian, it's like the toxic fandom just comes out and you know someone made a good point it's like okay keep acting this way folks you know we're nerddom and you know this genre is going to be the death of the genre because of just the toxicity that we've right. seen so many times here in the last few years between this and i mean we can you know last jedi we've seen what happened with leslie jones and ghostbusters and and um what's the young guy kelly tran from you know, yeah, I mean, it's the, the Titans. I mean, it's just, just stop. <laughs> just really? Right. Yeah, just just stop it, people. And, you know, and granted, you know, I did, one of, you know, one of our commenters did note that, you know, Ruby um, had an incident herself for a few years, I guess, I think last year at a, in New Orleans, um, where, you know, she wasn't, you know, I don't know if she was hangry or what, but she was like tossing fries and treating wait staff at at a restaurant pretty pretty badly. But you know, so yeah, we're you know obviously people aren't angels. People have their bad moments and stuff, but nothing nothing rises to the level of some of the crap that people, the actors and actresses, get on social media uh, to the point where they're where they're you know leaving these platforms. Right. And it's also, I mean, to that point, there, there's the, the actress or actor persona, and then there's the person that they really are in real life. Mm-hmm. And, and usually, I mean, I, I've said this multiple times. I never cared for Stephen Amell. And then I started watching Arrow. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, I started following him on Twitter. And I think I love that show so much more. Not because of the show, but just because I'm rooting for him to do well because yeah. he is such a good person. And you see that. Uh-huh. And and I think that a lot of people do generally root for because of the access we have to celebrities these days, this yeah. level, we are able to really root for them beyond just. Oh, I really like this project that they were in. They did a good job. No, it's that I like this project and I really like their, what they're doing outside of that. And I like their brand. Mm-hmm. So, so Ruby Rose, like, I, I, I think she's perfect casting. Mm-hmm. I will, I do have my reservations though, because I don't know her acting ability. I really don't. Yeah. I know that she's been cast in a lot of movies. Yeah. But, there's there, but not also leading any of those movies. And it's a different type of thing when you have to lead a TV show. Yeah. You know, That's true. and, and the deciding factor will be the crossover. And when she's introduced, how she relates to everybody, how she acts off of them and, and what she can bring to this universe that we haven't um, seen before. Yeah. Uh, you're a hundred percent right. That, I mean, it's so, you know, the crossovers are always the focal point event for the, for the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, and 
they are, you know, unlike, you know, introducing her like they did, for, you know, example, with, with Grant Gustin on Arrow, and, and then, of course, with the Legends, you know, having the little mini crossovers on The Flash and, um, and, and Arrow before they did the full spinoff with Legends. Mm-hmm. You know, they are going to introduce her on the week where every eyeball in the CW Arrowverse fandom is going to be watching. Because the, the, the crossover week is the one week where, you know, everybody watches every show. Right. So, yeah, rise or fall, this is, this is going to be a make or break moment for this, for Batwoman. Mm-hmm. I don't know her. I mean, I, I haven't watched, I know she was on Orange is the Black. I haven't watched that show, so I can't speak to it. I know she was also, in, I think, John Wick 2. Yeah. Um, John Wick 2. Pitch Perfect 3. Yeah. The Meg. Oh, yes. That's right. I have, yeah. Which did well this weekend, apparently. Uh, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I really want to see her act, um, act with? And what I really want them to do? This is my ideal. Yeah. Will, um, I really want to see her interact with Kara. I want mm-hmm. I want them to be on the same. I'm rooting for her to be on Earth 13 or whatever Earth, Earth Kara's on. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I want to see uh, Batwoman versus Supergirl. Um, or I'm sorry, Batman Batwoman v Supergirl. Hmm. The redemption story. (laughs) 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 Because, I mean, I don't know much about the character of Batwoman, but she does feel like that great foil to what Kara represents. Yeah, yeah, she does. So you could see them clashing. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right because I don't think, you know, she'll play off Barry as far as his optimism and stuff. You know, she and Oliver will probably be kindred spirits as far as mm-hmm. just being just dark and, you know, and, um, and all. So yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. I, it will be fun to see them play off. That, that, that's the, that's the ideal CW writers. If you're listening, uh, do that pairing. That pairing. Yeah. 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 That's the storyline for um, 2019 crossover. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think it, I think it'll be, you know, getting past some of the backlash stuff, some of the, uh, I will be intrigued by how they do the costuming uh, and, um, uh, Obviously, I think Batwoman herself wears, uh, you know, to help protect her identity, she uh, wears the red wig. So uh, I'll, I'll, it'll be interesting to see how they translate the character from the comic uh, to to the screen. Yep, a lot to look forward to. Yeah. Um, speaking of costuming, yeah, uh, the Flash will have a new suit this season. Yes, he will. Yep, and Grant Gustin revealed that suit on Instagram only to get a lot of body shaming comments. Yeah, actually it happened, so the, I think the sequence happened, so it was spoiled, actually, first, because someone, like, leaked it from the studio. I was like, I don't even think it was Well, Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Will leaked it. Yeah, I did. He's yeah. like, somebody leaked it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I took a clandestine trip to Vancouver and, uh, yeah, posted it. I'm the one now. Oh, your, your co-conspirator, our lovely friend of the show, Holly, probably did it for you yeah. on your behalf under your mission. <laughs> I, you are Ethan Hunt. I yeah. Yes, I am. I am. All right. Cover blown. I'm just, yeah, I'll, I'll be disavowed here in a minute, y'all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but Grant, yeah, but he was pissed. I think he posted a video, yeah, where he admitted, like, yep, that's a new suit. And he was pretty obviously pissed off about it. And then he did a long text, you know, a long Instagram post about, yeah, how he would get body shamed because of being too thin and blah 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 and uh you know again our toxic fan fandom comes you know oozes out of the ether on twitter again and uh and social media again and uh yeah but then later this week yeah i guess friday he, he got permission to reveal the suit and they had the nice poster and i love the suit even though now mm-hmm. even though now people are you know again not you know at, at least this time the Back and forth is about whether or not there's a chin strap or not. So, oh my god! Yes, I'm like, I don't care. If there's not a chin strap or not. I don't. It's just to finally, you know, we got the we got in Comic Con sizzle reel. We got the the finally we got the flash ring, mm-hmm. and now we we're getting a more comic accurate costume. And I'm all I'm 100 percent in. And oh my God, you sound like such a purist right now. Sorry, I, but in a good way. I mean, not that I, you know, the 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 the, the costumes from seasons one through three, you know, they grew on me. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Season four, I was like, okay, I'm liking this. It's getting lighter. It's getting closer to the, you know, I see the evolution. And, and now with season five, with the with the new costume, hey, I, I, I admit it, I'm very excited to see it as a fan. Yeah, I honestly could not tell the difference between the costume because I saw the post and I was like, oh, look, there's Grant. He's such a cutie. And then I moved on. Yeah, yeah. I'm the resident Flash Homer here. So, you know, know. So you're, you're to be forgiven not to, not to, be, to do the collective <laughs> shrug and, and all. But uh, I, I know just from our reaction to our, our post, I mean, people, all the Flash fandom really loves it. So. A lot of likes. Yeah. A lot of likes. They got a lot going on this season, so they need to do some things right. Um, yeah. Because the fifth season, you got your hundredth episode in there. Mm-hmm. You got a fresh start and a chance to either make a huge comeback and reset the stakes um, that we've lost over the years, yeah. or just you know continue running. Yeah. And running. And running. No. <laughs> yeah. And running. And running in, 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 uh, in, in certain stories that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I cautiously optimistic for season five. Um, I'm, I've, I've made my peace with the casting decisions. I mean, I'm, so I'm okay with Daniel Nicolette getting elevated to regular. Uh, Hartley Sawyer, as far as Ralph, if we get the Ralph that we saw at the end of the season versus the one we saw at the end of the season four. Okay. I can live with, I, I, I will, I will keep an open mind. I will. Yeah. I won't flame them. Obviously. I feel yeah. like, uh, yeah, that's a difference. Y'all here's the difference between being a, you know, being critical of storytelling versus attacking the actor. Yes. Yeah. Yes, there is. 
Yeah. There is. Yeah. And it wouldn't be a scene and nerd episode that was strictly about headlines and news gossip if Will did not have to put a Star Trek Star Trek related piece on the agenda. So yeah. well, apparently <laughs> Balancing out your one hundred story. There you go. <laughs> You got your Mission Impossible talk. You got your James Bond talk, talk. There was plenty of bounce, sir. I know, I know. But this was pretty. Well, this this is a genre story, and you know, it involves two people. Do you just want to tell the story? Okay. Are you Are you just gonna? Okay. okay. I'll, I'll, I'll I'm gonna take that as my cue to Continue. tell the story. Continue. Uh, Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth were going to appear in the next Star Trek movie, but apparently a pay dispute occurred and that may not be happening for Star Trek four, i.e. Hemsworth will most likely not be appearing into it, which that's fine. As long as one day Hollywood delivers on a Chris Pine, Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, just movie. Yeah. I will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) The ideal rom-com. Yeah. Day in the life of Chris. Say <laughs> <laughs> so you need to start working on that screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> and yes, their shirts will be off pretty much the entire movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. So so do you think it was just the pay this spirit or is Chris Hemsworth like why what what happened, Will? What do you yeah. think? So what I think, well, I think what happened is, so the studio is like, look, yes, we understand you, you, you cause they have, they, they, they've already signed the two actors to the, uh, to the, to the project, but they wanted it at the old salary scale they had, they had signed them. Uh, Hemsworth and, and, uh, Chris Pine are like, whoa, whoa, whoa we're, we're, we're bonafide A-listers now. And we should be paid as such. And the studio was like, well, Chris, Chris P, uh, Star Trek Beyond, like, woefully underperformed. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, if you want to make the big bucks, then go, go join the Avengers. But, you know, Star Trek right now, we, yes, it's a legacy franchise, but, you know, it's, it's not a box office sure thing. And, mm-hmm. It's not, and um, and so, and Chris and Chris were like Chris squared. We're like three guys. We're going home. So, I I think that Chris Hemsworth, he got revitalized as a box office commodity with Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, and then to follow that up, Avengers: Infinity War, and he is currently shooting a. A new Men in Black movie with mm-hmm. the also can do no wrong Tessa Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I feel like he's kind of in that mood of like Star Trek, the franchise. Yes, it has its niche audience, but that audience is not selling the tickets yeah. that is needed to really keep this train going. My name can get you fans like Sarah Belmont. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and and I granted, I mean, when I first heard about that, thought of him coming back, that was a really cool story point because yeah. he does play um, 
the father of mm-hmm. Chris's Pine character. And so that you have this whole idea of time travel occurring and you know how much genre friends love time travel in these definitely, things. Definitely. Definitely. So, so I feel yeah. like the combination, he was just like, the bottom line is I get the same amount of money as the pine over there. Yeah. And because I have the same and, pretty blue eyes. Yep. And pine is like, look, you know, I'm a legit A-lister now too. I, I, you know, between Wonder Woman and any number of other projects that he is he is being assigned to, um, he, yeah, I mean, he was like, pay me, pay me my money, what I what I wanted to, what I what I signed up to get paid for, and don't be bean counters and try to basically ask me to take a pay cut. Mm-hmm. So, you know. So, uh, so they, they, you know, it's, it's one of the, it's, it's, I think they'll probably, ultimately they will probably work it out, but, and they're moving forward because everyone else in the cast, the principal cast is, uh, I think their deals are very close to being, uh, signed. Uh, and they brought in, uh, SJ Clarkson, who's going to be the very first female director for a Star Trek film. And she, uh, uh, you know, for Jessica Jones fans, she did, a, you know, she did directed some episodes of that, and also uh, thanks to Succession. So, you know, Star Trek Four could be it, Star Trek Beyond definitely underperformed. Four, you know, like you said, I mean, it's a time travel story. There's great potential there to revitalize the franchise. So, you know, the studio could also look at it like. We have two bankable stars here. Let's not let's let's pay the men. <laughs> so so who out of the Chris's Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pratt, Chris Evans yeah. is the biggest box office draw right now? Right now? Right now. Probably Pratt. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would not disagree with that. Considering, yeah. but granted, he does have like the most movies coming out at the yeah. moment. I feel like the others have are constantly in development, mm-hmm. and probably within the next few years, we'll see a lot more of their pretty faces. Yeah, I mean, but, I think Evans. Yeah, he's on the down. I won't say down. Well, yeah, he's probably fourth in line right now. He's picky. Yeah. He is a picky, picky person. Like it, he's like, I sold my soul to Marvel. I'm not going to do any other franchise. I'm going to do the indies. And I think he he probably could be somebody who gets into directing yeah, within the I think next that, few years. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, yeah, I think I've read somewhere where he said he liked to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think that's why. And then Pine. Pine is interesting because he's done musicals. He's mm-hmm. done some romantic comedies. He's he's, he's tried at drama. He, but yeah, he's he's done the franchise films when he played Jack Ryan. Yeah, he yeah. tried that. Yeah. Um, but he, he he's kind of like Idris Elba in a way. Yeah. You know, yeah. He just doesn't have that one. I mean, Star Trek for a little bit there. Mm-hmm. It did put him on that upper tier, and then the sequel came out, and everybody got really pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so he's probably yeah. At this point, he's like, you know, maybe you know, I, my career, I might do better by like walking away from Star Trek than trying to stick around for it. 
Yeah, because I'm I'm over here hanging out with Gal and yeah. I got I got my bills covered right now, guys. Yeah. I don't need this. Yep. So <laughs> it's interesting. All right. So what we saw a interesting trailer this week come out for the limited series on Netflix, Manic. It will um, premiere on September 21st, a 10-episode run. Thank God. Thank you, Netflix. So the story is essentially about Annie Landsberg and Owen Milgram, who are two strangers drawn to the late stages of a mysterious pharmaceutical trial. And things get a little bit weird. Um, Emma Stone and Jonah Hill star. Will, what are your thoughts on this trailer so you shared this trailer with me earlier in the week and uh my initial thoughts were that it seemed derivative of total recall i haven't seen that movie oh (laughs) (laughs) there's schwarzenegger one or not neither one i haven't seen either one okay okay um all right so for fans who who have for our listeners who have seen total recall i mean it, it the reason why I say that is there's just elements in it that, because it, it seems like they are, whenever they're placing these scenarios in their minds, it was very similar to one of the key plot points in Total Recall. So that's okay. why, yeah, so that's why I, I, I said that. And then also it seems, um, I mean, it seems interesting. I, I, I think I will watch it. Uh, it, because it visually it looks very uh, intriguing and and does have a it seems to have a pretty interesting premise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I th- there's something whimsical about it. Yeah. Like it 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 looks like at times it's gonna get really dark. Mm-hmm. And kind of disturbing, but there are other times when they are placed in this other reality and it's going to be very light and kind of magical. The, the true backbone of whether this will project will fail or be like talked about over at the water cooler is if they can sell the chemistry between Jonah and Emma and really want make you really root for this love story um, and how it unfolds. Because if there, if that connection is missed, then I don't think it's going to be much of anything. It's going to just be a lot of fluff. It reminded me of um, a combination of inception meets Mm -hmm. big fish. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Inception was another one I thought of. Any, any, yeah. I mean, any film dealing with, you know, with mind, altering scenarios or, or implanting of stories or things like that. Yeah. It, yeah. Like I said, it, 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 it was visually interesting enough and it was a, a well-constructed pile, uh, trailer that, that I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give it the old three episode try, you know, and if I'm a hook by three, then I'll bail. But have you seen big fish? I've heard of it, but I haven't seen okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's um, it's a movie. I think it came out in either 2003 or 2004. It has Ewan McGregor in it, and it's basically with this about this guy 
who is telling his story, but he tells it in a way where you know it's um he's um exaggerating a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, that's not really how it happens. But there's also something so sincere about how he tells it that yes, that's probably not how it happened, but that's the way it happened in his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does have a famous director, and I'm blanking on its name. Um, Richard Burton, I think, directed okay. it. Okay. Um, and it's good Richard Burton, not like Alice in Wonderland, Richard Burton. Ah. Whatever. Um, all right. What else is going on in the headlines? Uh, the James Gunn firing saga continues. Yeah. yeah. It's well, just, it is. It is such high school right now with this. It is. It is. It's, you know, last summer we had the uh, solo debacle with uh, uh, the directors getting uh, fired by uh, Kathleen Kennedy. This one, you know, and that was just because of creative differences, not because of, not because of tweets that someone made 10 years ago that the alt-right, like, used to attack him and, and, and Disney, I think the more, you know, I know we talked about it a few weeks ago and the more I think about it. And, uh, at the time, whenever it first happened, I was like, yeah, I think Disney did the right thing. But the more I think about it now, um, I, I think they, uh, I think they overreacted. And firing, really? And firing James Glenn. Yeah, I do. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, 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 what he said is indefensible. I mean, I, I, again, I, I want to be very, very clear. I, w- the, the tweets, uh, you know, when you're making fun of rape and pedophilia, that you, you, you just don't go there. But, I mean, truth be told, I mean, we've all probably tweeted and said things that, in hindsight, we wish we could take back. You know, but unfortunately, the Internet doesn't forget. So Right. Um, I, I think I was kind of over it and kind of thinking the same thing and then I saw some stuff come out and that showed how he was actually attending parties that were themed mm. pedo- pedophilia Ooh, okay. like literally and there, there's photos of them and everything and I'm like okay I'm see this is the crazy thing about the story the longer it's a back and forth on the decision that was made the more Disney is going to do research and yeah. I don't know what's going to come out. And James Gunn, like it's one thing he walks away from this franchise and is like, okay, you guys don't want me, whatever. And then he still has a career, but if too much, too much stuff gets uncovered, I don't know if he would have a career. Like, no, no, it could get that far. Yeah. See now, now since you told me about the parties, now I'm back to where I was. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Disney did the right thing. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I didn't know about that. Yeah. If I, yeah, no, if I had known that, then I, yeah. But it, it's it's interesting though, just to see. I mean, I'm sure the cast is probably aware of some of those things, and you know, they did have the show of solidarity, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, Dave Bautista went even further to say, look. I, you know, use the script or I'm out. Right. That was written by James Gunn. Um, and then, yeah, they, like you said, it just got weird where now there's like these closed door meetings between Disney and Marvel Studios. And it's like, who knows where this thing's going to go. And I, I, I saw, I hadn't had a chance to read it, but I saw where uh, I think Screen Rant had written an article about um, our opinion piece 
on you know maybe transforming Guardians three into Thor four just because of the chemistry that uh, those characters had in, in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. So, so um, it, this is just a very I, I know it's an insider baseball kind of thing that you know only nerds like us who like follow this stuff will will, will, will opine on, but um, and care about, but. I, I don't think at, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone comes out of this looking good. Right, right. Well, it's it's kind of the first big director issue that has come up with Disney or with the MCU. Yeah. I mean, we've we're kind of desensitized it to it at this point with everything that has come up in regards to Star Wars, in regards to the DCEU. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of acronyms. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> but you delivered them well. <laughs> um, and, and yet, and then this occurs, especially coming off of, like, arguably the most cinematic, now popular movie achievement. <laughs> and where, where you, there, the bonus features that I've seen on Infinity War had included a great roundtable discussion of all of the directors of every MCU film that they could get into one room. And it included James Gunn. And you could see, hear from what he was talking about, like, the creativeness from him and his his love of these characters, his love of what the MCU, not just what his movies are doing, but what they're doing all together mm-hmm. really is a point of pride. And so then to suddenly have all of this stuff come out where Disney is basically making the decisions for this studio, I feel like what's so interesting about it is that you're really seeing the the new way the business is played, yep. right? Yep. Because there was a lot of fear back when, or not fear, but there was kind of like, well, how will this change things back when Marvel was b- brought by, um, bought by Disney? Mm-hmm. And who knew, like, down the road, it could lead to they're going to make determinations about who who should represent the brand yeah. of of their their franchises and the directors matter yeah i mean that's the crazy thing we're not talking about stars anymore we're talking about directors yeah yep they do they do matter and um yeah i mean without yeah i mean that the star out as it reaches a point where you know think back to the star trek story you know i could all you could almost make the argument well with some of these characters you know Robert Downey Jr. can only play Tony Stark. I mean, that's. But you know, I'm thinking about Dave Bautista and his and his comments, and I'm like, all right, you know, there's Disney will be could be fine finding someone else to play Drax. <laughs> oh, I don't think that. I really don't. I love I, Drax. I, I love know, his version. Of Drax. I know his version of Drax, but. I mean, I, I, and maybe, yeah, but. I, I don't know. Like, can, well, so, Drax is a pretty big character these days. That's so true. Yeah. I know that they have recasted smaller characters. Yeah. But are, are you, if you, if they did that and you went into the next half of 
or went into Avengers 4 with somebody else playing Drax, wouldn't that not be just jarring? Yeah, it would be. It would be. Uh, Yeah, it would be. Um, I mean, it it can happen. I mean, you look at Richard Gambon and versus Richard Harris with uh, Harry Potter and Dumbledore. I mean, but... Mm -hmm. but but you're, but I guess the thing is, just like these directors are very critical to the story and making these films, um, you're right. The major characters of these films also are pretty pretty critical. Uh, where it would be very difficult to recast some of the, yeah some of these leads. Yeah, uh, it's you know it's the. I, I guess in a weird way, it's not a bad time for these decisions to be made um, because Guardians of Galaxy hasn't three hasn't begun shooting. Mm-hmm. Avengers four is already shot. Yeah. Now there may be reshoots. So if everything does end up changing and they end up scrapping Guardians three, and then we get another Thor. I don't know if I would be mad about that because I didn't really like Guardians too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know. Like if if the, it's just a sad way to end a chapter. Yeah, I it guess. is. Yeah, it is. It is, and the way it ended is very disappointing. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's head over to the Schmodown where we wow. got some more Inner Geekdom tournament. Yeah, Inner Geekdom this week. Wow. It wow. It was a good week. I, for, I forgot who played. <laughs> <laughs> how I could never you have for, their name. How could you forget? It was like Rachel Cushing and Mara Zopic uh, and Kalinowski and uh, Lobic. There were just two epic matches. How, how could you? I know you're not a big fan of Energy, but yeah. Okay, so Cushing versus Kanopic. Yeah. Um, I know everybody's like the best best match ever, best match ever. Mm-hmm. I was bored, um, not because this wasn't epic, and they literally went I don't know seven questions in this in They're, the speed round yeah. or. Yeah, they were worried they're going to, in overtime, they were worried they were going to uh, run out of questions. Right. And and it was just back and forth. It was like ping pong. I was underwhelmed because, unfortunately, both of them were sick. Yeah. And there was no enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, Kanopic really tried, but she tried a bit too hard for me because it just fell flat every single time she tried yeah. to make a joke. Cushing could really care less. She was like, ask the damn question, guys. I yeah. am going to barf. You could see she was like physically ill. Yeah. And and I and then it made me think like if there was this whole conspiracy where Canopic wasn't as sick because she definitely did not seem that sick in comparison to Cushing. Oh. So then I went down that track and I got totally distracted. What was the question? Um, <laughs> basically, I thought that these were epic matches this week, but you're you're you're, you're rebutting that by saying that. Um, and we and that Tuesday's was kind of meh, even though it had a lot of drama, but 
it was, and I think we talked about this in the week. It was, it, I, I agree with you that it was emotionally flat. There was no energy there. Right. But just schmoed, Yeah, down I mean, shit. yeah. Well, you don't hear the crowd like in the background yelling and this, you know, the peanut gallery in full effect. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it does take on a different vibe, and I will right. agree that it was, it was, but for. The way the match played out, yeah, it was uh, it was otherwise boring. Mm-hmm. But just uh, you know, at the end there, where they were, you know, Harloff and Ellis were like, "Are we going to run out of questions here?" Mm-hmm. That Great. was enough to. That was where, despite the lack of energy, it was just just an amazing match to watch. Did you ever think that Cushing just purposely would miss an answer because she just wanted to get off of the stage? No. She I was didn't. that thick. I don't think so. I think she was she was invested at that point and she was going to try to win that thing. Ah. Rewatch it. I would argue like she got to a point where even every time they got like both of the answers like when she heard like they answered the same thing she would yeah. just be like oh my god kill me yeah i mean there was that too but i but you know you get you've gone so far as a competitor you just want to just want to i mean as a competitor i would want to win it i'm like okay i'm a yeah we keep tying fine but i may be like ready to peek my guts out here but i want to win this thing right yeah, it's just the these things come to my mind when I'm um when I'm not as invested into who who wins. Yeah. Um not just because it's in our geekdom, but because the the the, the storyline it's one thing like Kanopic versus Cushing. Both of them like each other. There's no story there for me. Yeah. What's really interesting is Cushing versus Kalinowski, but yeah. now I don't even get that, Will. Huh. I have to wait for that. And that's what I really wanted. That was my cherry at the end of this tournament. Yeah, well, it's this week. I just saw it today. It's the 17th. Cushing isn't playing Kalinowski? Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm thinking Kinopic I'm Kanopic one. Is. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, but I, I, see, I, I, I yeah, see, I like Kanopic. I, 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 I was, I mean, Cushing's awesome too, but I was, I was rooting for Kanopic. Yeah, yeah. No, she she's a good player. Yeah. I wish she wasn't as dry um humor wise. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to play well for me. Um but you know, if she has to beat Kalinowski then so be it. I'm that brings us to the other match, Kalinowski versus Hel Helvalic. Helvalic. Yeah. Helvalic Adam. Um yeah. Um, I'm surprised it didn't result in a KO. I'm happy that Adam did that. I'm not surprised that Kalinowski won. Yeah, he's he's on a hot streak these days. Uh, he has definitely studied up on us and prepared for this energy thumb. And you know, we, we've talked about it before. Him blowing up the uh, blowing it up. It, it's it is made for some very interesting matches and. Interested team ups, and it has brought some, you know, I think a little kickstart to the to the show now. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I guess, I'm just waiting for the the secret that Kalinowski has. 
hanging over Thad to come mm-hmm. out. Yeah. I'm waiting for um, a big scandal to emerge at the end of the Center Geekdom tournament where Kalinowski was given the questions ahead of time. <laughs> um, I'm I'm waiting yeah, like for this. resolution. For corruption to conspiracy. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of conspiracies. I don't know. I didn't even see Mission Impossible. How am I the conspirator? Like, I, this is just where my mind goes sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Blame the Russians. That's what everybody else does. Blame Russians. Well, I think that's it. Yeah. For, yeah. I, it is. We were worried at the beginning of the week. It's like, what are we going to talk about? Guess we found a lot. Guess we found a few things, eh? We did. We did. Um, where can our listeners tweet you things to talk about for next week? Yes, you can tweet me at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can tweet me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram, but most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome.